This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to back up to chapter 8 here in just a minute. Uh, I think you'll see why, Uh, but Isaiah chapter 9 and uh, verse number 6 and 7 is the key verses that we're walking through today, Isaiah chapter uh, 9, verses 6 and 7. Uh, you know, you may have seen these verses before on a Christmas card, or uh, you may have heard them. You just heard them in the video we watched. Uh, but these verses are really important because they are prophecy and they are evidence for why our faith matters. So, you know, our faith is not a blind faith. I've said that before. But it's important to understand that when we're talking about faith, faith is, is based on the, ebs- of the evidence of things not seen, The substance of things hoped for. So the things that we're hoping for, that is based on what the Bible says to hope for. And the evidence of the things that we haven't seen is what the Bible says. So when we see that over 400 prophecies came to pass through the birth of Jesus, man, our faith grows. And we say, wow, how in the world could 400 times something's predicted about Jesus and it came to pass? How can that be a coincidence? In fact, it's not. Statistically, it is impossible for the birth of Jesus Christ to to happen as a miracle birth that it was, and with all of the prophecies, the people who didn't know Jesus or didn't benefit from saying that Jesus would come and be born the way he was and when he was and the place that he was, um, all of that points to the fact that we have a reliable faith. Now, last week we talked about the fact that Jesus, who is he? He's wonderful. How is Jesus wonderful? How can you say that? How can you be so sure that Jesus is wonderful? Well, the next uh, word in our chapter, in our verse, verse six, it says he's wonderful, but he's also a counselor, a counselor. Now, this is the this is the time during King Ahaz, seven hundred years before Jesus Christ was born. It was a dark time. It was a difficult time. And and and, and what this passage is saying is that there's a light that's going to come, and he's going to counsel you in some areas that maybe someone close to you is a little afraid to counsel you in this area, or maybe you just haven't gotten this type of counsel before. And so it's great that we can come together and online and out in the parking lot and know that we're getting counsel from Jesus. He would come and he would counsel and give truth and light to Galilee, the region of Naphtali and uh, of the tribes of Judah. And, and, the, and, and the tribe of Zebulun. So back up with me from, from the verse that I have quoted about uh, Jesus coming as wonderful counselor. And I want you to go to chapter 8 and verse 20. It's in your notes. We're going to come back to this later. So I want you to notate this and, and, and make some notes here. Because in verse 20 it says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. And they shall uh, pass through and hardly uh, bestead and hungry, and it shall come to pass that uh, when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves. So they just come over, overcome with anxiety. So they're fretting, and the, they curse their king and their God, and they look upward. The word look upward literally means to look upward and shake with a fist. And they look under the earth. 
Behold, trouble and darkness, dimness and anguish. They shall be driven to darkness. Verse number 1 of chapter 9 then says, okay, now this is the darkness. This is how it is now. This is how it will be when Jesus comes. But verse number 1 says, nevertheless, the dimness shall not be as such as in her vexation. Who's the her? When at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, Afterward, the more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, in Galilee of the nations. So now you have the picture. Jesus is coming to Galilee, and, and, and Galilee of the nations would have been all of that area, Cappadocia, um, you know, the, the, the Greek area of, um, of Gadara and, and all of that region surrounding Galilee. Verse 2, the people that walked in darkness... And they've seen a great light. Who's the great light? Well, they dwell in the land of the shadow of death, and upon them hath shined light. The light has shined. So all of the darkness we're seeing is a result of Jesus not being here. All of the light is from Jesus coming. Now get this, you guys. Sin, here's the key thought as we begin, sin always brings darkness. It brings darkness, it brings pestilence, it brings disease, it brings disappointment, it brings trials, it brings relational conflict. Sin brings darkness. Let's say that together. Sin brings darkness. Jesus didn't bring darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. You see, light always dispels darkness, and Jesus is the light that came to deal with all of our darkness. You say, well, I don't have darkness. (laughs) We all have darkness. I have darkness, you have darkness, the world is filled with darkness. And darkness is what compounds our fear and anxiety. So last week, if you didn't hear it, you can go back and listen to it. We talked a lot about fear and anxiety, and I'm going to talk about that some today. But I want you to understand that that darkness in our world and sin in our world, it causes more angst and it causes more anxiety. Okay, So if Jesus were to sit down and, and to give you some counsel, I think here's what he'd say. I think he would say, really lean in to when you feel that anxiety because I want, you, I want to inter- interject my light. Now, none of you are scared of the dark, okay? But when I was seven years old, I am man enough to say I was scared of the dark. And I was mainly scared of my church. I, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a creepy church. It was an old Jewish synagogue, and it was creepy. I mean, you turn the lights off in there, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to stay an hour by myself in that creepy church. It was old, there was little, little, little you know, hidden passageways. I mean, it was a creepy church. And every once in a while, my dad would say, hey, I want you to lock the door. We had to lock up sometimes. We locked the front door. You have to turn the lights off by the front door. And then you know the layout, so go ahead and walk through the dark to the back door, and I'll be waiting for you. Dad, do I have to? Here, I'm I'm seven or eight years old. I'm like, Dad, please, anything but that. He's like, you're good. Just do it. Man up. That was his number one. Yeah, man up. All right. All right. So I'd, you know, get myself all amped, and I'd go over, lock the door. I'd turn off the lights, and it was like an Olympic sport. I'm jumping over pews. I'm running to the door. I'm like, ah. Have you ever been so scared that you kind of get the chills just for a little bit? Like, oh, like it just freaks you out. Like it just, you totally weirded out. That's how I was every single time I was alone in the dark in that place. I don't know what it was, okay? Now, why was I so intent to running out of the darkness into the light? 
Why? Because fear and anxiety is compounded by darkness. Some of you aren't convinced. The first service was, so let me help the second service here. Here's this. Have you ever jumped into the ocean or a deep lake? Have you ever had the thought, I wonder what's swimming underneath me? Come on, be honest. You have had that thought. I wonder what is swimming right under me that I can't see. It's dark. You can't see. Now, if you could see all the way through it, Lake Okoboji in, in Iowa, you can see all the way down to the bottom. It's a crystal clear, like one of the clearest lakes uh, in, in the world. And, and, and it's great. You go swim, and, and you can see, oh, there's a little fish. Oh, there's a big fish. I'm getting back in the boat. Okay? So, so the, the difference is what brings light, it vanishes the darkness, and with it, the fear and anxiety. Now, why Jesus was set as the light is because we are all filled with some type of darkness. You say, well, what do you mean by darkness? You know, darkness is that point in our heart where we try to hold on to something that is self-destructive. You know, darkness in a relationship is when we try to hide something that we don't want someone else in the relationship to know about. So what do we do? We keep it in the dark. Let me tell you, run to the light. Run to the light. If you have spiritual darkness, if there's something that you're struggling with about God, listen, don't keep it in the dark. Listen, the worst thing you can do is bring it in the light. Well, what will people think? What will you think, Pastor, if I tell you my deepest, darkest doubts? You know what I'll think? Great! The light has come. You know, I shock so many people when they say, I'm really embarrassed to say this. I'm like, why? Why would a shepherd ever be shy from helping sheep? Why would a, why would a doctor ever be uh, shy or, or want his patients to be embarrassed about coming to get help? Listen, he is the light. And Jesus is the light that vanishes darkness. John 1, in your notes, verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Uh, the same was the bear witness of that light, and through him men might believe. He was not that light, but he bore witness of that light, the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus is the light. And so when we read this verse, for unto us a child is born. In Hebrew, it's a lad, ulad, bin netin. It's a child is given, a son is given. Listen, he is coming and he is bringing light. His name, Hashem, that's the name that even today Jews use. They say the name, uh, talking about God, shall be called Karah. And then last week, Pele is the word that for wonderful, miraculous, uh, totally awesome. He's wonderful. And then Yeots, he's the counselor. He's the counselor. Now, what does it mean for counselor? There's three words, okay? It's used about 23 different times, the word for counselor. There's three different words in the, the Bible for counselor. First, it's yates. It's, it means one who gives advice. Do you have those people in your life who give you advice, whether you like it or not, okay? All right, so this is one that gives advice. And then do you have those people in your life who help you with decisions? Those are people who, who, who you want into your life, who help you walk through decisions. And that's yay ace. It's, it's, it's a counselor who walks alongside you. And then there's yayotes. And this is the word here, yayotes. It literally means one who charts out a strategy for winning. One that gives you a plan that's worth working. Imagine Jesus sitting down and say, hey, let's make a growth plan for you. Let, let's, just make, let's just make something that will really help your family, that will really help you be at ease. You'll have peace. 
let's just try to imagine Jesus as a marriage counselor sitting down. You don't have to ask, what was the argument about? He already knows. You, know, you, don't, you don't have to ask, was it petty? He already knows, right? Jesus as a marriage counselor gets right to the point. Be very short counseling sessions, right? Jesus is the counselor. And Jesus is here to give you some counsel that no one else can give to you. Young and old, everyone needs to understand that Jesus came to bring revelation, to bring information and transformation that no one else could bring. Even when the officers and the people who had the most degrees, the scribes, and when the Pharisees came and they, they, they collected their information about Jesus, in John chapter 7 and verse 45 and 46, I put it in your notes, but it says this, no man has ever spoken, never a man spoke like Jesus. No one spoke like Jesus. No one had ever said the things that Jesus had said. He was the prince of peace. Now, last week we saw that peace is shalom. It's, it's completeness, soundness of soul, well-being. And last week we said that it's secure and safe wholeness that no one can remove from you. I want to I lean into that because that's what this word, the, the word counselor, refers to. Someone who can deal with your insecurities. Someone who can, like in a counseling session, say, hey, listen, this is a safe space. This is a space just to get some help. This is a safe space to, to, to kind of pull some things into light, kind of helps, help, help, help us get a plan for action, right? That's what a good counselor does. And, and so immediately after announcing himself as the counselor and the Prince of Peace, guess what he says? He goes right at what was making them the most insecure. Notice what it is in verse number seven. Verse number seven, of the increase of his government. <laughs> so literally, it's saying, I'm the Prince of Peace, and I'm going to replace this government that's making you feel insecure. Now, we would never have a government that would make us feel insecure. Never. That, of course, would not happen, okay? I'm being sarcastic, okay? But, but there's lots of insecurities right now. Why? We don't know who we can trust. So, so Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to be the leader you can trust. I'm going to be the one that you can put your trust in. And so of the increase, Rebbe, of his government, Mishraiah, Shall there be, and then his peace, so the prince of peace, shall bring, look at, the, look at the next part of verse 7, there shall be no end. So this shalom, there is an akin in kets. It's, there's a no limit peace that's possible through Jesus. So Jesus is the one who makes peace possible. So how does Jesus make limitless peace possible? Well, keep reading. The Bible always explains itself. And, and, and it says in verse number 7, to order it, everyone say order it, order it to establish it in judgment and justice. Now there's two ways Jesus is the prince of miraculously making you whole. You're a little empty like I talked about last week. You have something that's just lacking, man, I do. If that's you, Jesus is the answer to make whatever's empty filled. Whatever is lacking or hurting whole, Right? So a good counselor, number one, seeks wholeness, and wholeness begins with boundaries. Wholeness begins with boundaries. When I uh, counsel, I, I always start with values and boundaries, values and boundaries. And that's a really important thing, and that's what Jesus starts with. He, 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 he says, I want to order this, and I want to establish it. Now, when I said order it, 
probably nine out of ten people here and watching online thought, oh, yeah, well, okay, how do I order it? <laughs> okay, no, no, no. In an Amazon world, this is not actually talking about ordering something, okay? I, I saw something this week that really brought a smile to my face, and it was the worst two things to accidentally order on Amazon. Uh, the first thing is a can of dehydrated water. Okay, 10 bucks, you can actually buy this, all right? You just add water, and, and, and the dehydrated water in there is now hydrated. Come on, people, it's an empty can, all right? Then I thought, who would ever buy anything like that? No one would ever buy it. I went to the next worst item. It's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. And here's the crazy thing that blows my mind. It's sold out. It is absolutely sold out. $7 and nothing, and they can't keep it stocked fast enough. That's crazy. Where was I? Okay, um, wholeness, wholeness. Listen, wholeness is not something that we buy. It's not something that we work up. By the way, listen, wholeness is not a feeling. Don't ever let someone tell you that being whole is a feeling. Now, it can bring a feeling, but it is not a feeling. And so most people, they want to feel whole. They just won't, don't want to feel the discomfort of being made whole. Do you get that? And so when Jesus saw the man who was sick of the palsy, he was literally paralyzed for 38 years, the first question he asked is, hey, do you want to be made whole? Is this something that, that you desire? And so in order to be made whole, we must admit and express a desire to be made whole, admit that we're not whole, and express a desire to be ordered by the Lord. To order it, it's the Hebrew word hakum, hakun. It literally means to give a firm standing, to provide a direct plan or strategy, to establish and prepare for anything, to make you ready. Now, when we're, when we're going through this season, sometimes we can get so busy with everything we're doing because so self-focused that we never pause. And here's the action item. I would encourage you to pause and ask the Prince of Peace, hey, what's out of order in my life? And how do you want to reorder it? How do you want to fix it? How do you want to address it? He desires to address what no one else will. He's the counselor. And so sometimes in counseling, there has, has to be some things that he addresses. You're like, oh, I don't want to go there. And we're going there, Right? And so a lot of people are like, oh, I would never come to counseling. Why? They don't want to be, they don't, they don't want to pull something into the light, right? So Jesus wants to pull some things into the light. Listen, I just want you to know the Bible's filled with stuff that might make us feel a little uncomfortable, but it's so necessary. Listen, if you're out of church or not watching online, listen, you're out of order. He wants you to get back into that. The church is the pillar and ground of truth. And, and, and it said, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some so much more as we see the day approaching. Listen, if you're out of prayer, you're out of Bible reading, uh, you haven't been spending time with your creator, uh, working on your relationship with God, listen, you're out of order. You, you, you got to get back into his presence and, and to pray without ceasing and, and allow the peace of God to rule and reign in your heart. If you're out of sorts with someone, if, if, if you're at odds with someone, if there's something that's happened that really offended you, that really kind of got under your skin and you haven't made that right, you're out of order. You, you got to try to at least make it right. If they don't make it right, that's no longer on you. But listen, great peace have they which love thy law, psalmist said. The psalmist in Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. And how many things shall offend them? Nothing. 
Nothing shall offend them. Wow, there's great peace when we don't live offended lives. How dare they come in within a 20-foot radius of me without their mask? Or how dare they wear a mask in my presence? You see how we get so easily offended? Listen, every single person has to ask, what does God want me to do? What is the boundary that he wants me to have for my health, for my spirituality, for everything that he wants? You see, God is not the author of confusion, 1 Corinthians 14, 40 says, but of peace, as in all the churches. God is the author of order, and he brings order. That's the key thought. He is not the author of confusion, but he is the author of order. And so a few verses later in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, let all things be done decently and in order. A good counselor, man, he sets up boundaries. She sets up boundaries. Jesus is wanting to give you some boundaries. Okay, so every relationship needs boundaries. Every person needs boundaries. Write out the boundaries. Write out where you're out of order and ask God to help make you whole. But a great counselor understands that Wholeness, yeah, it begins with boundaries, but it can only continue. It can only last. That's number two. Wholeness can only last through truth, through truth. Now, if you've ever been here for any length of time, you know this about new life. We are all about the truth. Listen, if the truth says it, man, whether I like it or not, it's just, I gotta go with it, right? And so the truth is, is, is referred to in verse number seven. The reason why we know it's tied in with the counselor is because both the ordering, okay, is tied to that, but also establishing with judgment and judge, justice. So in other, in other words, darkness and emptiness, they're dispelled through truth. They're, they're, they're dispelled through truth. Now, how do we know that Jesus is the light that dispels the darkness of sin and dispels the things in life that are robbing us from our peace? Okay, well, Jesus... During their festival of lights, okay, during his uh, second year of ministry, I believe, he went into Jerusalem, into the temp temple during the, the month Kislev, and he stood up during their festival of lights, okay, that, that was foreshadowing the fact that the Messiah would come. He stood up when they were lighting the eighth candle on the Hanukkah, where we get Hanukkah from, okay, the eight days of Hanukkah, Hanukkah, you don't buy that I Ikea, okay? That's the name of the menorah. So Hanukkah is the festival of lights. He literally stands up and he says, I have an announcement to make. I am the light of the world. See the light that you're lighting right there? Man, that's a picture of me. And in John 8 and chapter 12, he said, I am the light. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, they shall have the light of life. That's a great memory verse. Parents, I would encourage you to have your kids memorize that verse. Jesus is the light of life. A few verses down, he continues with this speech from on top of the Temple Mount. He says uh, to the Jews who believe in him, If you continue in my word and my truth, then you are my disciples indeed. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You see, Jesus can only set free those willing to learn to live by the truth. Now, I hope you're taking your vitamins, okay? Uh, I've been try trying to be faithful with my vitamins. These are uh, nutribiotics. I have no idea if they're working, okay? Uh, but I'm not sick, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, but nutribiotics and, and whatever you're taking, vitamin D, we're all supposed to be taking zinc, I'm told. I'm not sure. Uh, you'd have to ask your doctor. But I will tell you this. Vitamins do no good if you don't take them. Staring at the vitamins, they don't work. But I will also tell you, 
that if you take vitamins and they never exit you and you take enough of them, you got problems. You don't have to have a doctor to figure that out, okay? So vitamins are supposed to be imbibed, you know, ingested, okay, but then used. Listen, if you're coming and you're just taking your vitamins, but you're not using the nutrients uh, through your life and actually seeing the truth being lived out in your actions, friend, the vitamins are not doing you well. And so the truth is not in you uh, just to remain in you. The truth is in you so the Holy Spirit can use it to confront your deceit and to confront the things in your life that are detrimental to your health. So the counselor, counselor sits down and he, and he says, hey, pull up a chair. And he uses your name, okay? So on the count of three, I want you to say your name. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Okay, nice to meet you. Okay, so, so ni- nice to meet you. Hey, hey, let's, let's have a conversation. And he says, I want to establish you. I want to order you. I want to put some boundaries, but I want to establish you. The word establish, it's seda. It's, it literally means, I want to refresh you. I want to, I want to bring healing to you. I want to support you. I want to strengthen you. And, and, and then this, this word literally means, it means bound together. I want to bind you together. I want you to bring this thing together. Now, that's really important because in, in Philippians or in the New Testament, when it talks about peace, it says, uh, in Philippians 4 or 6, it says, don't be anxious, okay? Be careful for nothing, But in everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, you won't even know how you're having such peace in this moment, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Now we're going to talk about the end of that verse next week. But the beginning of that verse talks about the peace of God that passes all understanding. Wow, let it keep your heart. Now, this means let the peace of God rule or let it be the deciding factor. Have you ever been in an argument with someone and you're like, no, I promise this is true. Totally Google it. They Google it and, 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 and they can't find the answers. No, 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 text this person. They know. Like you just want to prove that you're right, right? So, so this is that what that verse is saying. Literally let the peace of God be the referee in your heart. Let it guide you. Let it be your counselor. The word peace in the Greek is different than in the Hebrew. It's the word irene, ire for join together, bound together. Remember that? And then for, for irene, a, ane means for health, for inner being, for rest. But it literally means a gift of being uninterrupted. Moms, do you want the gift of being uninterrupted? <laughs> right? Did did you want just a a few moments of peace? Let me tell you, Jesus can give you that in your soul when everything around you is chaos and confusion. He can bring you peace. How? We have a couple minutes, and I I just have have two subpoints. I want to give them to you because this is how truth, okay, will set you free. This is how truth can give you lasting wholeness. Letter A, Truth demands a decision. Truth demands a decision, and we have to make this decision when we're confronted with the truth. Because he says, I want to order it and establish it through judgment. The word judgment is mispat or mispate. It literally means worthy of a verdict, a decision based on evidence. Remember at the very beginning, I talked about the evidence for the birth of Jesus Christ. Listen, there is evidence for the peace of God that can uh, keep your mind, bind together your heart and your mind. 
So the decision to have peace is not based on the circumstances around you. The, the peace of your heart and in your heart is based on the belief that you have in the truth that peace is possible through Jesus Christ. You say, okay, that's great. You've been talking about this for two weeks now. You, you keep saying Jesus is the key to peace. Come on, how's that happen? And, and do you always have it? No, I don't. And I want to tell you a time where I didn't. It was last week, or this last week, okay? And here I am, I'm walking up to the uh, post office, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a lot done in the day, and, and I knew on my schedule that the post office closed at 3 because before I'd gotten there late, and, you know, it's closed, and, and, and it was, you know, a bummer. So, so I, I said, okay, I'm going to get there, you know, 15 minutes before 3 because that's how my schedule. So I got there at, like, four, uh, two, uh, 45, it closes at 3, and uh, I think we have a picture of the sign that proves it closes at 3. And when I walked up to the gate, there was a postal worker that had a little smirk on her face. And I, I said, hey, I need to come in and get my uh, post office box keys for our church. And uh, she's like, oh, no, we're closed. And I was like, oh, uh, well, um, it's, you know, I'm trying to be nice, you know. But, but uh, it's 2.45, and the sign says 3. And, I mean, is there any way you could just run in and grab them? They're paid for. I mean, please. And she's like, well, it looks like we closed early. All right, bye-bye now leave, and then she shut the door, and I'm just like, oh, you know, you, you, you just feel it, you know, just kind of like coming out, you know, the, 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 the anxiety just comes like, oh, my word, that was so rude, like, who says, bye-bye now, just leave, <laughs> who does that, I guess we closed early, I'm going home, bye-bye, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I need these keys, I need to get in, and, you know, we have mail that come in, and it's been, you know, a long process to get in, come on, I gotta, and so I'm walking to the car, and I'm, I'm just so upset, and I, and I wanted to say things, and if she didn't go inside, I honestly know that I would have just lit her up, right? So, so I'm, just, I'm just thankful. I'm trying to calm myself down. And then I, I see another postal worker through the fence on the other side of the building on my way to my truck. And she has a shirt on her. She's wearing a shirt, and on her shirt it says, no people with a picture of the Grinch. And I'm like, oh, my word, what a place of sh sunshine. I mean, these people are great. So I'm like, I don't think I could ask her. But, I, you know, I thought, well, what does it hurt? It's not 3, 3 p.m. yet. So I was like, hey, hey uh, ma'am, <laughs> uh, is there any way you could just, like, run in and grab the keys and run back out? She's like, I don't know. I'm going to have to go in and ask. And I'm like, okay. She runs in, and I'm thinking to myself, she's going in there to talk to the bye-bye now, leave person, and I'm just going to get a big fat no. And so she comes back out, and she's like, I need something with your address, something that, that tells me that, you know, so I can look it up. Like, Absolutely. Like, and, I, and I folded one of our little, little uh, pamphlets for our church through the fence. She takes it, and she leaves. She's gone for like 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, man, they're like in there laughing at me like, look at that guy, you know. And now it's past three. So I'm like, I'm certainly not getting these. And I almost left. But finally, about 10 or 11 minutes later, she comes back outside and she has our keys. I'm like, oh, man, this lady is so kind. Like, like now I'm happy, right? Now, now I was just really angry, frustrated, soup. I mean, my peace was out the window. Now I'm like, oh, good, a favorable circumstance. Now I can have peace. And it hit me when, when, when I went to, I grabbed my keys. She said, hey, go over to the gate. 
I was like, oh, the one you asked, they just asked me to leave? Okay, I'll go back there. So, so I go over to the gate. She opens it up. She gives me the keys. And, and guess, what, guess what she said? She was about to give me the, the church track, and, and, and she said this. She said, could I hang on to this? And, and, and just a flashback from losing peace about three, you know, a few minutes ago, I wanted to say, no, you people are mean. I don't want you coming to our church, but I didn't, okay? I didn't. I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, sure, you know. Yeah, wear your no people shirt, okay? Um, and, and, and she grabs it, and, and immediately her countenance turned. She got a little tear in the corner of her eye. She said, I don't know how to say this, but she's like, I don't know how to pray, and, and I'm not a person, a church person. But She said, I actually just said, God, if you want me to go to a church, if you want me to connect with a church, just show me which one. She's like, I prayed that this morning. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, you did? <laughs> like, wow, that was unexpected. And would you know it that Georgina watched online during the first service and let us know that she watched? Isn't that incredible? So here you have me, Mr. No Peace, all upset because someone said bye-bye now, right? A few minutes later, God's teaching me the lesson through someone who doesn't even go to church, that, hey, hey, Peter, your peace is not de dependent on your circumstances. If you have evil circumstances or evil bye-bye-now people, just don't let them steal your peace because they're not the source of your peace. And if you get the keys, that's great. And if you don't get the keys, that's great. They are not the source of our peace. Jesus can be the source of your peace. And one an action item that I would encourage everyone, uh, including those who are younger, who are listening and, and watching, I would encourage you to mark down every time that God gives you peace, even when you don't think it's possible, when, when you're able to kind of keep a gate on your tongue, when when you don't think you can, God can provide peace. And here's a key thought before we, before we close, and it is this, that Jesus provided the Spirit to provide peace, and the Spirit won't force peace on us if we're seeking peace from another source. If I'm seeking peace from my circumstances, I can't have peace through the Spirit. The Spirit is either my source of peace, or He is the one withholding peace, so I seek Him. That's how this thing works. So when I say Jesus is peace, I'm saying he brings the truth that the Spirit can bring peace. You say, how? Well, letter B. Letter B, truth reveals right and wrong. So why is truth so important? Why does truth demand a decision? Why do we have to make a decision about truth? And by the way, no decision on truth is a decision. So why? Why is that so important? Well, when it says to order it through judgment and justice... The word justice is sadika. It's where we get the word sadiq. Even Jews today say, I'm a sadiq Jew. I am, I am a practicing Jew. I am following all the different merits of the law. So sadika literally means to, to, to know what is right, to live what is right, what is true, and what is merit. So get, let, me, let, me, let me just tell you something. And this is not super popular because it, this term has been so polluted. The word justice, if anything is ever added to it, is no longer justice. So, so you cannot have economic justice 
or, or any other type of justice because the moment you add something to it, it's no longer blind in the fact that it's not just by merit or what is true or what is right. It's based on a preferential treatment of the law or what is right. So that's really important because truth shows us what is wrong or right, based, not based on what culture says is what, what is wrong or right, but based on what the Bible says. So now let's go back as we close. Let's go back to the two verses, the three verses that we read at the very beginning. I want you to see this. This is so good. Isaiah chapter 8, verse number 20. So, so it starts just with, with him you know, talking about darkness. And, and I want you to see what happens when, when we interject the truth, the light, into darkness. To the law and the testimony, by, you, by the way, you need both. You need, you, need, you need the truth, but you need someone to receive the truth. The law and the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, oh, what's going to happen? Well, they're hungry, verse 21. Uh, they fret at the end of verse 21. They fret themselves. Well, why are they fretting themselves? Because they're blaming the problems on God. Look at, look at last part of verse 21. They curse their God. They look upward and they say, God, why did you let this happen? God, why didn't you interject yourself into this? And then, verse 22, they look unto the earth. Now, next week, we're going to talk about what happens when our problems get really big and our God is really small. How can we reverse that? How can we not be looking down on what our circumstances are and what's robbing us of our peace, but looking upward to mighty God, someone who can bring us peace? And when they're looking to the earth, there's trouble. Look at verse 22. There's trouble, darkness, dimness of anguish, and they are driven. They are driven to darkness. Man, when we don't have the light of the truth, when we're not discerning what is right and wrong based on not what we feel, but based on what God says, man, we are all out of order. So here's an action. I would, I would encourage you to take some time. Uh, the, next, the next few weeks, the next, and we'll talk about this next week too, just, just to talk about, hey, how can we learn from our circumstances and how is God counseling us toward peace? And here's the takeaway and we're finished. And that is peace is not a goal to achieve. Peace is not something you achieve. It's not something, you don't, you don't achieve zen, right? It's not something you achieve. It's not a goal you achieve. It is a gift we receive by grace, by the Spirit. So if peace is a gift, then all I have to do is say, God, I am putting down everything else and I'm being made whole by you. I'm being made whole through your peace. Friend, he is the Prince of Peace. He's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And he will make you whole if you're willing to have him as your Prince of Peace, as your counselor, as the one that's calling out your wrongs and showing you what's right. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.